You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today is going to be a beautiful day out. I don't know if you heard the weather report. Um, It's going to be really nice out. It's going to be a nice day, just like yesterday, even warmer. Why don't we just kick off... uh, this morning before we jump into God's word, turn to your neighbor, tell, remind them, get your summer gear out. Can you tell them to get their summer, just remind them. Some people may have forgotten, you know, kind of lull into winter uh, coma. Get your summer gear out. If you're watching online, share what summer gear you're getting out today. Today, we're pulling out our yard stuff, all the yard toys. Um, in, we're in western Pennsylvania. It's above 50 degrees. Pull out your shorts. Get the tank tops ready. I mean, 55 degrees is short weather around here, okay? Um, this is your chance to get that tan early before, you know, we hit April. Uh, so it's going to be a fun day, awesome day. Thank you guys for joining us today. Today, we're, we're finishing a series we started a couple weeks ago called The Chosen, talking about uh, the people that Jesus chose and why he chose them and how he's chosen us. You know, in, in, uh, in May of 1934, particular day, a 15-year-old boy came home from school, and uh, he set out to do what he had done many times, to pitch some hay uh, for the mules uh, at his family farm with one of the hired hands uh, on that farm on the outskirts of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the, the two heard some singing from behind the barn as they were working, and the, this, this hired, hired man wondered out loud to this young farm boy, like, what was happening? And, and the farm boy answered, he said, I, I guess there's some fanatics that had talked to my daddy, and uh, they are using the place. What was happening, what they had heard, was a prayer meeting. It was being held in the pasture of this family's dairy farm. One of the men in attendance, a salesman by the name of Vernon Patterson, uh, prayed a pretty bold prayer that day. In that prayer meeting, he prayed that God would raise up an individual uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is like a really bold prayer. I don't know if you've ever prayed bold prayers before that are like, that's kind of an outrageous prayer, God, but I'm going to like throw it up there and maybe it'll stick. I don't know. Maybe you've prayed bold prayers before. This was a bold prayer. This young farm boy had, had been baptizing and firmed. He, he went to church each week, but, but his real interests were, were somewhere else. His dream was to become a professional baseball player. Uh, Well, a few months later, in September of that year, an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham came to town to preach an 11-week crusade of services. Uh, Although uh, this young boy's parents loved the services, loved going, he didn't want any part of it. Ham was known uh, as an evangelist for pointing out sin in the communities where he preached. And and in one of the meetings that they gathered, he, he claimed that he had affidavits stating that some of the students at one of Charlotte's high schools were involved in some immoral behavior at a house across the street from their school. Rumors started to spread that these students were were angry that he would say this, and they were going to come protest at one of his meetings. Uh, The meetings now had some drama attached to them, and this young boy was now, his interest was piqued. He was like, I want to see what's going to happen. Around the same time, a friend of his named Albert uh, McMacken invited him to go to the meeting with him and said, why don't you come and see this fighting preacher? 
Because these students were coming ready to fight this preacher, and he was like, okay, this is going to be like World War, or WWE, right here in a camp meeting. This is going to be pretty cool. So his interest peaked, and and the the deal was clinched when Albert offered his friend uh, to drive his dairy truck to the meeting. After one service, this young farm boy was hooked. He attended night after night, taking notes as Ham preached, becoming increasingly convicted of of, of his sin and, and his need to know Jesus. He, he began to realize that his baptism, his confirmation, his church attendance, none of that really mattered. None of that could save him. During each service, Ham would invite people to come forward and receive Christ. On November 1st, six days before this young man's 16th birthday, the choir began to sing a hymn. And in the final verse of the song, this young farm boy stepped out of his seat and went forward. Later he would write, He said it felt like he had lead weights attached to his feet as he walked down the aisle. That night, he repented of his sins, prayed to receive Christ. And and although he felt no real huge emotion in the moment, uh, he knew he was a new person. His mother recalled later that he arrived home from that meeting, threw his arms around her and said, Mama, I'm a new boy. This young boy's name was Billy Graham. And, and Billy uh, not only would become a follower of Jesus, but he would change the course of history through his preaching, all because one friend named Albert McMacken was willing to connect him to Jesus. It's a remarkable moment. Uh, you see, we, we human beings are such a unique creation. We, we absolutely love our independence. We love our freedom. We don't like to be pinned down to anything. We love exercising our free will. And yet, at the same time, we long for connectedness. We've never had more tools available to us today than ever in history to be connected. In fact, the social media industry today is worth now over $61 billion. $61 billion. And it's not just an industry. But we were wired, we were created to be connected. You see, while we love our independence... The world goes round and round because of our interconnectedness, our interdependence on each other. That's because we don't just like each other. Believe it or not, we actually need each other. Just think about some of the major milestones in your life and the people uh, that that helped make them happen. Whether it be someone who connected you to, to a job that would eventually become your career. Maybe it's someone that introduced you to the person that you eventually would marry. Maybe for you it's a teacher or a parent or a leader or someone in your life that, that when you were tempted to give up, just throw in the towel, they encouraged you to, to keep going on, not give up, and keep pressing on. You see, God made us ultimately to need each other. And the real people, the real people that make this world such a special place are the connectors. Those that don't draw us to themselves, but connect us to what we ultimately need. Albert McMacken did that for the great Billy Graham. And we would have never been privileged to experience the greatness of what God put inside this man named Billy Graham if Albert hadn't connected him to Jesus. And I would guess for many of us today, there are people that are so special each and every one of us, that have done the same in our lives. For, for those uh, watching online today, post in the comments, who helped make a difference in your life? Who are the people that connected you to, to make a difference in your life? In fact, one of the great leaders in church history 
uh, had a connector, his brother. Listen, listen to this story. Uh, in the first century, there's this guy, his name was John. Now, uh, John is better known by his name today that he would become known by uh, later uh, as John the Baptist. And, and his name isn't John the Baptist because he was a Baptist preacher. Uh, that had nothing to do with it. The Baptist church didn't exist then. Um, his name was John the Baptist because he would baptize people in the Jordan River on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And John the Baptist, like many of the religious influencers of his day, had disciples, individuals who followed him and would learn from him. And on one, one particular bittersweet day, uh, John would lose at least two of his disciples. Uh, as, as Jesus stepped onto the scene, they would leave. Here's what, what happened. It's recorded in John chapter 1, verse 35. John's gospel in the second part of the Bible, known as the New Testament. It says this, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, could you imagine how disappointing this must be? Like, you've poured into these two guys. They're disciples. Like, they followed you all over the place. You're, you're trying to, to foster, uh, you're teaching them what God could do in them. And, and just like that, Jesus shows up and they leave. Kind of a bittersweet thing, of course. You know, on one hand, it would stink to lose your disciples, but on the other hand, you lost them to Jesus. So, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, and then, as the story progresses, it focuses in on one of the two disciples that followed Jesus that day. Here's what it says in the next verse, verse 38. It says, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So uh, we've now learned, you know, two of these disciples have followed Jesus from John the Baptist, and one of them's name was Andrew. And then listen to what Andrew does next. Verse 41, the first thing, can you say first thing? First thing, the first thing. You know, first things are really important because if you've ever had this idea, like the first experience of something kind of uh, begins to influence and dictate what happens after that. The first things are really important because usually they're the first instinct. It's kind of a, a revelation of what's really important to you. Uh, the first thing, here's what happens. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. How about that? Andrew finds us. Now, understand, as a Jewish, Jewish men, young men here, the Messiah was kind of a big deal. Uh, not just kind of, it was a huge deal. They had talked about, prayed about, like this redeemer, this deliverer for, for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that one day God was going to send a Messiah, one that would deliver them, would free them, would, would rescue them, would redeem them. Uh, and, and they had talked about this so many times. Some people even believe, is this ever going to happen? Because we've heard about this for hundreds of years, generation after generation. And now, John, now Andrew here is like, we found him. And he runs to his brother, Simon, tells him, here's what happens. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. And, and if you're going to be a smart aleck, this would be the point. Be like, well, of course. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for telling me the obvious. But he, but he goes on. He says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is, when translated is Peter. Uh, and, and as they say, the rest is history. 
Peter wasn't just another guy. He would become one of Jesus' inner three. Jesus had 12 disciples, but there were three of the 12 that he spent the most time with. Peter was one of them. Not only that, he would later be one of the top leaders in the early church. Peter wouldn't just follow Jesus. He led thousands of people to follow Jesus. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, it says that Peter gets up and he, he, he preaches the gospel of Jesus. And 3,000 people would commit to follow Jesus that day. 3,000. This guy was remarkable. And, and none of that would have happened if it wasn't for Andrew connecting Peter to Jesus. And, and you could assume, well, this is kind of like a one-time thing. You know, Andrew was really excited because he met Jesus and he wanted to introduce, him to, to, to introduce Peter, his brother, to, to Jesus. But, but this wasn't. Uh, this was actually a common trait of Andrew's. Here, here's, he was always connecting people to Jesus. Listen to this. A few chapters later in John chapter 6, verse 5. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So here's the thing. This is, this is a, a, one of the famous miracles of Jesus. There's thousands of people. Uh, we uh, believe about at least 5,000 Men, not counting women and children. So, I mean, you could figure out the numbers. It could be 10,000 plus people gathered this day and none of them had food. And they were listening to Jesus. It's getting late in the day. And Jesus now turns to his disciple, Philip, and says, what are we going to do? Listen to what Philip says. Philip answers him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So he turns to him and he says to, to, to Philip, hey, what are we going to do? And Philip's like, got me. We don't have enough money for this. Do you understand the operation Chick-fil-A doesn't even exist yet. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? This is going to be a mess. These people are going to, like, they're going to waste away. They're trying to listen to you teach, and they won't leave, but they need food. Like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no grocery store. There's nothing. And Andrew, Andrew overhears what's being said. Like, Jesus didn't even go to Andrew. But Andrew overhears what's being said. Listen, it says, uh, next, uh, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Pe- Peter's brother speaks up. He spoke up. Here's what he says. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will those go among so many? Now, not that Andrew's like this man of incredible faith, but he, he's a connector. He, he comes across this young boy who's at this, this meeting, this gathering of thousands of people who came prepared, he, or his mother was prepared, maybe, and had five loaves of bread, two fish, had a nice little meal for him. It was like a little fish fry in a, 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 a lunchbox. How cool is that? Andrew finds him. What does Andrew do? Andrew connects the boy to Jesus. One of Jesus' most remarkable miracles, feeding the 5,000, happened because Andrew connected a young boy to Jesus. And then Jesus did the rest, multiplied that miraculously to feed 5,000 people. Later, in John chapter 12, listen to this. And this, this one, Philip kind of learned his lesson. Listen, verse 20, it says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. So these Greeks come to, to Philip, one of the disciples, and says, Hey, we want to meet Jesus. How, how can we meet Jesus? Philip, listen to what Philip did. Philip went to tell Andrew. Philip didn't go tell Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. What did Andrew do? Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. They connected him to Jesus. Andrew is a connector. 
He, he, was, he wasn't just another person. In fact, uh, there is something unique and transformative about Andrew's life. He isn't mentioned much in Scripture. Look throughout the Gospels. Andrew isn't really mentioned much. But almost every time he's mentioned, you know what he's doing? He's connecting people to Jesus. He's that connector. He's like, oh, you've got some bread and fish? Guess what? Here's Jesus. He can do something with that. Oh, you want to meet Jesus? All right, let's connect you to Jesus. Hey, 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 Simon, you know what? You'll never guess. We found the Messiah. How incredible is this? Let me introduce you to him. I want to make that connection. And, and here's the deal. Maybe you've heard this idea uh, before that, that, that those who are followers of Jesus are to be committed to ultimately do one thing, and that's make converts. For, for those of you maybe that are watching online or here, maybe you're not following Jesus today. Maybe you, you wouldn't say, I'm a Christian. I'm just kind of at church for whatever, or I'm just watching online because I'm bored or whatever. Um, if you're watching online because you're bored, I am so sorry that you have to listen to me. Um, but maybe, maybe if you're not following Jesus, you've had this perception that, that a Christian's ultimate goal, like their mission, is to convert you. And if you, they can convert you, like they get special crowns in heaven or something. Uh, let me suggest today that uh, I think as followers of Jesus, we should have an entirely different goal. You see, what if our goal isn't to perpetuate some religion or religious ideology, but instead... If we, what if we endeavored to be a connector? And here, here's kind of a simple idea. Stick with me for a second here. We were created to connect people, not to create converts. We were created to connect people, not to create converts. I, I know some of you are thinking, this pastor is a heretic. But, but just listen, hear me out for a minute. Do we ever see Jesus or any of his disciples trying to convert people to some religious system that they are just expected to adopt. No, you don't. In fact, Andrew is a great example of this. He was connecting his brother to this remarkable man named Jesus. It was life-giving. It was relational. It wasn't some sales pitch or some well-crafted presentation. It was real. It was honest, and it was purely Andrew. Simon grew up with Andrew. He saw him as a young boy growing up. They had fights for sure. They, he knew Andrew. This was his brother. It was purely Andrew. When we endeavor to create converts, we disconnect from the truth that those we're trying to quote-unquote convert are people, not objects we're trying to win over. We forget that they're people. When we become a connector, we humanize those before us and recognize we actually can't change anyone. We can't save someone. We can't even transform them. God has simply called us to be Andrews in our world and connect those around us to Jesus. That, that's it. We can't transform them. Jesus can. Listen to this. Between the years of 1972 and 2018, the percentage of Americans who identify as Christian declined. While the percentage of those who claim no religious affiliation has increased by over 500%. In 1972, just 5% of Americans claimed no religion on the general social survey. In 2018, that number rose to 23.7%. That's almost one in four. They, they associate themselves as the nuns, as they've been called. Uh, and, and the nuns have become more numerous as both evangelical Protestants and Roman Catholics in America. 
Every indication is that the nuns will be the largest religious group in the United States in this next decade. In a recent book uh, that was published just a couple weeks ago called The Nuns by Dr. Ryan Berg, he shares that those who claim no religious affiliation or what he calls the nuns are broken into three main groups. You have the agnostics, the atheists, which those two groups make up about 6% of our population, and then you have the nothing in particulars, which those, that group makes up about 20%, one in five. The nothing in particulars, these are people that they aren't agnostic, they aren't atheists, they're not religious, they really have nothing. They're not uh, really associated with anything, they don't have any you know, ties to anything. Uh, in 2008, this group was 15%. It grew by 5% in 10 years. Now, that might not seem like a lot, but in statistical world, that's a huge jump. As Berg explains in his book, over a four-year period, 95% of those who would associate or consider themselves, classify themselves as atheists, are still atheists. 95%. Of those who are agnostics, 90% of those who say, I'm an agnostic, they're still agnostics. Of those who would associate as nothing in particulars, 60% of them are still nothing in particular. And here's why I share this. We often can spend so much of our energy and time trying to persuade, convince, or quote-unquote convert people with the thought that we can talk an atheist or an agnostic out of being an atheist or agnostic. And, and, and understand, no person is irredeemable. I don't believe any person is too far gone. We see that in Scripture. We see that in history. God can transform those furthest from him, and, and no one's irredeemable. But I think there's incredible value in knowing your faith uh, and being able to defend your faith. I, I think that's important. With that said, what if those who are nuns, uh, which is almost one in four in America, aren't needing to be converted or convinced of something, but they're needing to be connected to someone? What, what if they don't need more head knowledge and convincing that the debate or the, the argument, uh, although it's valuable, isn't necessarily going to do anything? What if we were just willing to be an Andrew and connect him to someone? What, what if we started being connectors and not converters? What if we became raving fans of Jesus instead of focused machines trying to chalk up one more convert? If you, if you take these statistics and transpose them into our area, that means that there is in the range of 9,000 people that call 15642 home who have no religious affiliation are part of that nothing in particular religious category. In our county, that's over 70,000 people. 70,000 people. That's enough to fit in Heinz Field. 70,000 people. Do we have some work to, to do? You better believe it. But, but that work isn't to convert everyone to our religion. It's to connect people to Jesus. Remember what happened when Andrew connected his brother Simon to Jesus? Listen to what happened. John 1, it says, And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus called out something in him that he didn't even see in himself. The Greek word for Peter is Petros, which means rock. And, and if you read even a surface reading of the Gospels uh, of Peter's life, especially early on, early when he met Jesus, his early years uh, were anything but stable or consistent. He wasn't a rock. 
He was all over the place. He had, he's a passionate man who was emotionally up and down and all over the place. Andrew didn't transform Peter. It was Jesus that changed him. Andrew just connected him. See, as the worship team comes today, we were created to connect people, not to create converts. We were created to connect people, not to create converts. So here's the deal. 9,000 people in our community. 70,000 people in our county. That means that we are all interacting with people on a regular basis looking to be connected that aren't looking to be converted. How can you become a raving fan of Jesus and connect those around you to him? Who knows, but maybe the next Billy Graham, the next kids leader, the next worship leader, the next pastor of this church could be sitting next to you in a cubicle every day at work, waiting, longing to be connected, just waiting for someone to connect to them. And and I believe there's three simple ways that we can connect people to Jesus. One is through our words, through the words that you speak. Like, what are you talking about? Is, is Jesus just something you kind of keep to your private self, or is it something you can talk about? You're allowed to talk about it, in person or, or on social media. What, what, what are you talking about? Your words. The other way is through our actions. When things are going well and when they're not, what are your actions reflecting? They're reflecting Jesus. And, and the third is through our relationships. As the saying goes, no one cares how much you know until you know, they know how much you care. Everything we do is always more valuable and beneficial when it's done through the vehicle of relationship. God interacts with us through relationship, and he works to transform our world for the good through relationship. Now, when we hear numbers like 9,000 or 70,000, that can be overwhelming. We, we don't generally connect to large quantities of people to Jesus. Like, that's, that's a rarity. How do we do that? Here's how we do it. We start with one. Here, here's what I want to encourage you to do. During this Easter season, we're two weeks from Easter. Two weeks, crazy. I remember two, or one year ago, at this point, we had pretty much settled in. We're not going to have Easter in person. Boy, that was quite a reality. We're going to have Easter in person this year. That's awesome. But beyond that, we're two weeks from Easter. Like we celebrate when Christ overcame sin, death, the grave. Man, how awesome is that? During this Easter season, let me ask you, would you pray for one person these next few weeks that you could connect to Jesus? One person, not like 100 people, not five people. One person that God could use you to be that connector for, that you could be an Andrew for, an Albert McMacken for. That, that you could be that person that connects them to Jesus. Not that you have to know it all and have a Bible college degree and have it all figured out. No, just connect them to Jesus. Andrew wasn't a disciple of Jesus yet. He, he didn't have the degree or the, the training or anything. He simply introduced someone to Jesus. He was a raving fan. That, that might uh, mean inviting them and their family to the Calvary Kids Easter experience next week. Maybe it's saying, hey, why don't you try this out? It's making that connection. That might be saying, hey, why don't you come Easter Sunday with me? You can sit with me. Making that connection. That, that might mean having a conversation with them about the transformation Jesus has brought about in your life. Being a fan and not a salesman. What would that look like in your life? What, what, what could we do, the change we could bring about if we were willing to be a connector? And, and in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing a song. Before we sing that song, 
God just really prompted me with this. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching a line. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you're that Simon Peter. That someone connected you. Someone connected you to Calvary today. And you don't know Jesus. And, and knowing Jesus isn't about some religious system. It's not about, you know, being confirmed in the church or anything like that. It's a relationship. It's saying, you know what? Just like Simon Peter did, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to learn from him. I want to live my life based on his plan and purpose for my life. I want to experience his forgiveness. Like Jesus came not to start a religion. He came to die on the cross, to overcome sin, to overcome the mistakes we've made, to forgive you of your past, that you could be walking in wholeness in him. Maybe that's where you're at today. I want to give you an opportunity to say, you know what? Just like Simon did that day, I'm going to follow Jesus. Just like Andrew did that day, I'm going to follow Jesus. Today is going to be a new day. Not because I'm converted, because we're not about that. It's not about converting people. I want to be connected to the source of life. His name is Jesus. Would you pray? Bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, move in us. Holy Spirit, move through us. God, I pray that you would just begin to speak to those that are watching online, those that might be here in person today, that never never made that step. They say, I want to be connected to Jesus. I want to experience his forgiveness. I want to experience the fullness of what he has for my future and my purpose. Holy Spirit, I pray you just begin to stir in them now. Challenge them. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here, you say, Nick, I've never made that step. If you're watching online, your head bowed and your eyes closed. I've never made that step. I've never taken the step to follow Jesus. And and today is is not a day about joining a church or a religious system. It's a day to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's a day to say, you know what? I want to be connected to the source of life. His name is Jesus. That's you this morning. I'm going to count to three. Wherever you are, on three, I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. Not, Not to go through some religious babble, but to say, you know what? Physically, I'm making that step. Peter had to physically take the step to follow Andrew to meet Jesus. Billy Graham had to physically get out of his seat and come forward. We're not going to ask you to come forward today. I'm just going to ask you, reach your hand on three toward heaven. And then we're going to pray together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen. Anyone else this morning? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone that raised your hand and those that didn't, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This isn't like a magic prayer, like there's something super special about it. Prayer is just a conversation with God. That's all it is, and I want to lead you in that. And I, I, I hope, my hope is that this might be the first of many conversations you have with God. Will you share what's on your heart, the good and the bad? You talk to him like you would a friend. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me just as I am. Today, I commit to follow you to be in relationship with you. I accept your forgiveness of my past. I commit to follow you and your purposes all the days of my life. Give me the strength and the courage to live for you and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that prayed that prayer, you raised your hand, whether you're at home or you're here, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. One, if you're like a a techie person, go to connect.calvaryirwin.com. There's a little uh, button there. It says, I committed to following Jesus. Click that, fill that out. 
If you're not a techie person, you're in person here, right in your pew, there's a little blue connect card. Fill that out. Check the box, I committed to Jesus today. That's not because we just track things. It's because we want to give you the tools and resources to continue that journey. It's not just about a moment, it's about a journey. And we want to help you continue that journey with Christ. And you can fill that out, drop it in a giving box, take it to the Connection Center. Uh, if you want, leave it on your seat, whatever, we'll grab it. Uh, fill that out and leave, get, it, get it to us. And we want to help you continue that journey with Christ. Man, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We are so blessed to get to gather uh, together to worship God, to, to experience what God has for us. And this isn't the end. This is only the beginning. N- next week, we don't have service here. So for those watching online, those here, we don't have service next Sunday at 1030. Remember, can you tell your neighbor, we don't have service next Sunday at 1030, okay? Um, next Sunday is our Calvary Kids Easter experience from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., people will be driving through. If you want to sign up, go to events.calvaryirwin.com. If you want to serve, um, you probably go to the same place and sign up to serve. Uh, we don't have service next Sunday at 1030. Just a reminder, you come here at 1030 next Sunday, you're going to see like people driving all over the place, the drive-through experience. No one's going to be in here. Um, but the next time we have service, which I'm pumped about, it's two weeks from now, Easter Sunday, 9, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., two services, Invite someone that day. God's going to do some great things. We are super pumped. Um, As we go, I want to pray for us. Pray that God would bless us and strengthen us and use us for his glory. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. I thank you for the blessing you've been to us individually. God, I thank you for people who have connected us to you, Jesus. God, grandparents and parents and friends and coworkers that connected us to Jesus at some point in our journey. Maybe today, Lord, was the fulfillment of that connection. God, I thank you for that. Thank you for those people. We are grateful for those you put in our life. God, I pray you would help us this week and the coming weeks. Let us be that for someone else. God, let us be that connection for someone else. Maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe someone that just really bothers us. Let us be willing to pray for those that we even sometimes don't even like. Let us be a connector and connect people to Jesus. God, give us strength today. Give us strength this week. Let us reflect your love and your grace to those we encounter. Lord, that people could know you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the privilege of being part of such an incredible church. Bless us, guide us, and direct us in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.